welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast with me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. I did everything before I leave. I need to find that bag on my coins. Alex Hartley took us off air in Brighton earlier this year. I'm a huge fan of Pepper. We thought we were really funny. Bobby, I'm doing a <laughs> podcast, man. Come on. <laughs> well, my dog is now called Jimmy Anderson. Oh, well, Manchester Originals aren't through to the Eliminators, so I've got change last week. Yeah. Do you cook French food? Like, do you cook frog legs and snails? Oh, <laughs> uh, just lock myself in a procedure room. That's Sophie Eccleston's the worst. It's like having a child with you and she's on top. I don't know whether it shows something about me or whether it just shows I'm a little bit stupid. Polly, you're home. I am home. We're back in person. I'm so excited. It's so good to have you here. Thank you. Um, this is the first episode we've recorded in person since the start of September. Wow. Which is a long time ago. Yes, well, I got kind of used to the Zoom thing. Um, yeah, me too. I think it's going to be a little bit weird doing it in person because there's going to be none of that awkward pauses. I have to cut out that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. It's a little bit different. Oh, don't do that. Because <laughs> no, I don't want to edit it. That's so mean. <laughs> oh, that is horrible. So you come back from Manchester today because it's your birthday tomorrow. Yeah, so I decided to come home for my birthday. Planned it kind of a while ago. And I was like, that's going to be the first time I go back to Birmingham. So that was a little bit weird coming back. I did the same route home that I did when I went to school, which was even stranger. Um, did it at the time that I would come back from school as well. So... A little bit of deja vu. Um, Happy birthday, Polly. You're going to be 19 tomorrow. Yeah, well, today when the episode goes out. Oh, but... right. So if <laughs> listeners want to send you gifts, what, what can they do? <laughs> so, uh... you, uh, cryptocurrency. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. Uh, so my dress is. <laughs> Don't tell me anything, thank you. <laughs> Even if you have my dress, it's a bit weird. Um, so, yeah, we are back in person, off to Wembley. So that'll be fun. Yes, yeah, that that's and um, I've got a, an hour off school tomorrow, mm-hmm. and the head teacher has volunteered to cover my lesson in the afternoon, so I can take you to Wembley. Well, that's Isn't pretty that cool. nice. That is very good. So a big shout out to Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> you should listen to Pod from the Pod. <laughs> She's friend of the Pod, I'm sure. Perfect. Um, well, let's chat a bit about cricket because there's a big final coming up this weekend on Saturday morning. It is the WBBL 09 final. Yes, and remind us who's in that final. So it's the Adelaide Strikers defending champions against the Brisbane Heat. So it's an interesting one because you've got the Brisbane Heat. They've been inconsistent, to be fair, but they've got Laura Harris back. Mm. They've got big hitters. Mm. But compare that with the Strikers. Very good bowling attack. Um, They haven't lost any of their England players. Oh, they've lost Danny Gibson, actually. But Georgia Adams is still there. I know she hasn't contributed tonnes, but she's still there. Um, and also they're defending champions, you know, they know how to win. Yes, and Georgia Adams knows what it's like to be well, in finals. Well, this is what I was thinking. I was like, she's led the Vipers to many a final. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she'll want a trophy to finish the year. Um, it's because been a big trophy year it, for Georgia, it hasn't really it? really <laughs> has. She's won, like, pretty much everything she could have, I'm pretty sure. Um, so she'll want to add the WBBL to that. So it'll be an interesting one to watch because I think naturally I would say, oh, like the strikers are underdogs. But I think that's because of their like historical record in the tournament. Mm. But obviously they won last year and this year I think they've been 
probably the most consistent team but they don't they don't have the most impressive lineup but i think it it works they seem to have quite a close knit group and like they've been missing darcy brown for a lot of it as well like key player missing but they've been fine and it's, it's worked for them i guess what you worry about is it it's been a while since they played well yeah and in the meantime brisbane they they put had a very impressive performance didn't they, in the previous yeah. match um and they won it by about 61, I think mm. they hit about 190. Yeah. And so it feels like they've had practice, momentum. Warm up, momentum. Could that make a difference when it comes to the final? Yeah. Because I suppose you've seen this with the 100, that it works either way. The team that goes straight through to the final, either they have that momentum and the high from the eliminator, mm. or they're absolutely knackered. Mm-hmm. So it kind of works both ways. So I suppose it's not particularly determined, but. I'm excited to see how it goes. Can the strikers do it two years on the chop? But I just think it's about time Brisbane got the trophy because they've had, I mean, last year as well, they had a good, really good lineup. Um, But I don't know. I've just been quite impressed with them this year, even though they've been a bit inconsistent. Yes, it'll be interesting to see. And so who do you think some of the key players are for Brisbane in that final? Well, with Brisbane, we've got the Harrises, of Mm. course. Um, pretty sure Laura Harris has. I mean, on I don't know if this was her first game back or a couple. She hit ten off two. Um, like she is there to go big or go friend home. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. I just locked myself in a procedure <laughs> room. <laughs> so, yeah, was it's one of those things that if her and Grace get hitting quickly, I suppose Georgia Redmayne as well then they'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. But you never know what pressure does. Charlie Knott. Is Charlie Knott has mm-hmm. been doing really well. Mm-hmm. Bat and ball. Um, I suppose she's been around for a little bit, but I would say this is probably her breakthrough season, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, so exciting to see what happens. But I do have an inkling that it could be Brisbane. But then saying that, it could be the situation where you have, like with the Blades, that actually they just really dominate teams. And then they choke. They have a star-studded lineup, and then they choke. Mm. So we shall see. We shall indeed see. Uh, the other thing I want to ch- chat about is England and England A, because England are about to start their tour of India. I believe they're still in Oman, but will be travelling to India very soon. Um, but England A have been playing against India A. Yes, yes, they have, and uh, lost. But it went yeah. to the final ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, interesting. Uh, I guess it's just it's a, a, a journey of discovery, I think, for a lot of these mm. players um, playing in big stadiums in a very foreign environment. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, so they didn't quite get over the line. It'll be interesting to see how they do in the next couple of games yeah. and whether they take some of the things they've learned from that. And Because mm. uh, you would hope that a team like that, which has got some people with full caps and some experienced players yeah. and some um, uh, quite young players in. Seren Smale, I think, yeah. did did particularly well. Uh, you know, took a stomping, took a mm. catch, hit some runs. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they adapt and grow over this mm. little series that they've got. I guess also for some of them, I mean, not all of them, particularly like under-19s, for example, this will probably be their first overseas tour. Mm. And actually just going away with a team and the intensity of being away from home, playing in different conditions. Um, I suppose that all adds up after a while. Mm. So actually understanding what it's like to be an international cricketer is a massive part of the A squad, particularly because they have taken quite a development team. Like I know there are some 
players that have come from the main squad who have a couple of caps, etc. But on the whole, it is a young team who haven't had much time in England Academy, things like that. Um, so it is kind of a new experience for all of them. So a great opportunity. But yeah, I, I suppose it's it's a nice insight into the future. I'm also interested to see, as we get into the main tour mm. um, and the test match, whether there's any needle between the two teams. Well, this is what I was thinking, particularly on the slant, actually, of players in the A squad making a debut. Mm-hmm. For me, it's unlikely. Um, I think I understand why they could do it, because this is kind of the start of their cycle into the World Cup. But, I mean, particularly, okay, potentially for the T20s, um, say if England are, like, 2-0 up in the series, I can understand why they'd bring a debut player in for the third one. But I get the sense, this has kind of been the sim- similar with John Lewis and Lisa Kiley, that actually they're not willing to just hand out caps. Mm. Um, and I completely understand that. But at the same time, I think it would actually be really good experience if England are doing well in the T20 series. I think Test Match, definitely stick to your best squad possible. There might be debuts, for example, Alice Capsey, um, because she, of course, didn't play in the Test Match of the summer. So you never know what happens with that. But in terms of like fresh debutants who have never played for England before, I think it is slightly unlikely. Yeah, I think you raised some good points there, Polly. I, I'd better re-explain my question because yeah. it, 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 when I say needle between the two teams, I mean yeah. like a bit of beef, what you, young people oh. will say, between the England team and the India team. Just oh, I completely, of... I, I was just like, I just put needle like threads the two. Uh, right, okay. Yeah, I'm ready for beef. I want drama. Yeah. I th- this is what I'm here I for. I want revenge. The thing is, <laughs> Harman Breit Kaur oh. is up for a fight. Oh, she, yeah, she'd fight anyone. Yeah, she she'd start a fight on her own in a phone <laughs> box, um, and I I just think that's going to spill over at some point. Yeah, well, because think about the history between the two teams now. Mm. Like this rivalry is bubbling, because um, like with the Aussies, it's like friendly rivalry, but this genuinely seems like they hate each other. Like I know some of them are friends, whatever, but what happened at Lords, we will never forget. I will never forget. Mm. Um, so stay in your crease, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, Harmon, like, it seems angry. Yeah, I mean, that is with Bangladesh. Well, yeah. You know, when it, so those who are not familiar with it, India lost against Bangladesh. And during the prize ceremony, yeah. she effectively just well, dissed the umpires. Yeah. And she told the Bangladesh captain that, you know, that she might as well give the trophy to the and umpires. Then, well, it was embarrassing. It was so embarrassing what she did. Um, so, oh, can you imagine? So I expect to see a little bit. There'll be a bit of argy bargy. Yeah, sparks will fly. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag sparks will fly. Um, no, we'll see. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't understand your question. No, need to make it clearer for the younger demographic. Yeah, that's why I changed the word from needle to beef, and then you. Okay, thanks. Yeah, 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 beef. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Got beef with Harmon Precorner. Um. Anyway, I think we need to introduce our guests because this is a very, very exciting episode. We are Swifties. We are Swifties. Well, if anyone saw my tweet yesterday, it was incredible because Taylor Swift was, I think, the most listened to artist on Spotify in 2023. Mm -hmm. She was my top artist. 
Um, she didn't make it into mine, I'm afraid. That's that is a real shame. You used to get listening. Um, and so we've got Swifty, the Swifty, on the pod. We spoke to Charlotte Swift, who is a producer of Test Match Special. She has her own cricket show during the summer with BBC Radio York and Humberside. And she's an all-round fab person. She's absolutely amazing. We had such good fun talking to her. She's possibly also one of the most Yorkshire people you'll ever listen to. <laughs> so all That our, is a compliment, by all the our, way. All our foreign listeners, if you want to know what a Yorkshire accent sounds like, listen to Charlotte Swift. So enjoy our chat with Charlotte. So how did cricket all start for you in terms of finding the love for the sport or even discovering the sport in the first place? So for me, I'm going to put it out there to start with I am someone who loves sport but not playing sport absolutely hate it I'm not a very active person but growing up used to watch a lot of sport um a lot of it was rugby league football and cricket um so like my dad it's a really it's a really cute story and I feel like I've told this quite a few times but I love the story um so my mum and dad met at um at cricket so my dad was playing for his local club East Leeds Cricket Club and my mum's uncle was the umpire. So she used to go every Saturday. And when she went, um, her auntie was like, oh, I know someone for you. And then um, basically introduced them. And then from that, you know, then mum would go and watch him play cricket on a weekend. And then we used to, as kids, go to East Leeds Cricket Club and watch my dad. And then me and dad used to, you know, go watch Yorkshire. And it kind of grew from there, really. And then I kind of fell into cricket at work you know it was never it was never my number one sport mine was always rugby league but then when I started work on world service and doing cricket I then was like oh my god I've remembered like how much I love cricket and then now I'm just absolutely obsessed like whenever cricket's on tv when it's on the radio whether it's men's women's any form of cricket I'm absolutely hooked yeah so uh, let's take a let's take a step back because you you currently work for the BBC yeah. How how did that come about? What because I you didn't just turn up there one day and get a job. How how did you get into the media? Um so I did uh broadcast journalism at Leeds Trinity University and I did that. I was I w- always wanted to do sport. I didn't really want to do news because let's be honest, news is very depressing. And that's just not me. So I but I chose to do broadcast because I thought I've got a larger score. And doing radio, doing my radio modules, I absolutely loved. And through that, I got work experience through the unit at BBC Radio Leeds. And so when I joined them, I did two weeks with them and then two weeks with Look North. And I must have done a good job because at the end of it, they said they could offer me some freelance radio shifts like around my unit. And that's kind of how that came about. And that was in news. So I worked on breakfast, the lunchtime phone in, the mid-morning show, drive. I worked on reception. Like I, There was basically no job at the radio station that I didn't do. And then from that, I then moved on to doing sport on a weekend because that's what I really wanted to do. And that wasn't being on air. That was, it was producing, it was desk driving. So I learned how to drive a desk, which is like all the fancy buttons that you press. Uh, and then I started doing some sports like bulletin shifts and then I moved from there over to Salford and to Media City and then started working for BBC Sport so for me 
radio was always the thing for me and sport was like I just need I just need to get into it so yeah it was all through uni really so you, you mentioned about producing now I I, I gotta admit ignorance here because I, I see this title producer <laughs> I don't really get what they actually do uh, can you tell me what it actually involves being the producer of a show? yeah um so I think loads of people think this and to be honest I never knew what it was either I just thought I just wanted to kind of get involved in radio basically and so I think it it varies whether you do live programs or whether you do podcasts. So like on my day to day when I do podcasts, a lot of it is writing the scripts, it's setting up guests, um, it's speaking to your presenters beforehand, and it's kind of coordinating everything. And I think being a producer is really important because you're the person who's making the editorial decisions. You know, you're the person who is deciding who comes on the program or the podcast. You're the person who's thinking of the questions and kind of deciding what angle you want to take. And I'm not taking anything away from the presenters at all because obviously they, I write it down and they make it sound good and they do a lot more than than I do. But for me as a producer, you're the person who kind of comes up with the ideas. And, and I think that's really important. And then for live programming, obviously a lot of that is when they go live on air, I cannot control what comes out of their mouths as much as I would love to. I can't tell them what to say, but you can kind of steer them in the right direction. You can give them some pointers. You can tell them, you know, in the next half an hour. So like for, I work on test match special sometimes. And if it's raining, that is, I absolutely hate it. My worst nightmare because it's then our job as the producer to decide what we're going to do when it's raining. And then, so as soon as it starts raining, I'm like, oh no. And then you have to quickly think of things and then you kind of feed it to the presenters. And then obviously they go off on a tangent and they go off and do their own thing. But then when they're doing that as a producer, you're thinking of the next step. Um, so that to me is kind of what a producer does. And then also, if you don't have an engineer, you have to go and you set up everything. You know, you have to make sure you get on air. And that is just, that's always my worst nightmare. As soon as I get to a ground, I'm like, oh no, I've now got to make sure we actually get on air. As soon as we're on air, I'm like, well, it definitely sounds that um, producers do not get enough credit because there's so much work, so many things to think about all the time. Um, and one of the things we really want to chat to you about is working on Test Match Special because it is one of the most loved programmes ever. Um, I There are so many stories you hear every single summer or even throughout the winter of people tuning in and they're like giving birth or they're about to get married <laughs> or they're doing all these like crazy things. And But it's TMS in the background all the time. Like even when I was revising for my A-levels, I always had TMS. Maybe that's why I didn't do that well. But, you know, <laughs> I always had TMS on, the, on in the background. So what's it like to work for such a, a loved programme? It's surreal, to be honest, because I I pestered for a long time to kind of just basically become part of Test Match Special to kind of work along like with them. And eventually the producer, Adam Mountford, was like, you know what, Charlotte, fine, you've pestered me long enough, you can come along. And just to kind of be in commentary boxes with these people who you've you know, grown up listening to and like, I've grown up watching, you know, like sitting there and Alistair Cook's in front of me doing commentary, is, it's just mental. But it's just such a really nice environment. And I think that for me is what makes Test Match special. Like, it's just so important because I think when you listen to it, you feel like they're talking to you. They feel like they're your friends. You know, you listen to not just the commentary, but it's the stories of, you know, what everyone was up to during the week or, you know, what you all do outside of, of watching the cricket. And I think you kind of get a really good sense of that when you listen to it. But then also being part of it, it's exactly the same. 
you know, to, to sit there and be with these people and hear their stories. It's just such a surreal experience because I, I do go there and I think I cannot believe this is my job. Like, what, why is it me? Why am I the person who's telling Jonathan Agnew what he should say? That's ridiculous. But then you kind of have to be like, no, I've earned this and this is why I'm doing this. But I think being in those commentary boxes is probably how you feel when you listen to it. You feel like they're your friends and I would really hope and pray and I think that I would class all of them as now my friends which is a really strange thing to say but it, it's it's just amazing yeah and, and it's it's incredible isn't it because there are hundreds of thousands millions of people across the world who feel exactly the same about all those people and all those characters and yeah. and and feel like uh, you know they know them I I can remember back to when I was about 11 years old uh, my dad taking me to Preston Guildhall and Test Match Special Live was happening there. But of course, back in that day, it was Jim Laker and Brian Johnston and and that that era of presenter. And it just feels like there's a baton that has been passed down a- across generations, which just continues with that show. Yeah, well, I the, the one really weird thing I did was a, f- a few years ago, um, through where Kent Radio leads, we got tickets to go and watch... It was Test Match Special doing a charity cricket match. And I remember going to that and I went with my mum. And me and mum went with some, I think it was some colleagues from from Radio Leeds. And I was there, you know, watching them play cricket. And I was like, this is really weird. And then I went down and asked for a picture with Aggers and a picture with Tuffers. And then obviously fast forward years later and I turned around to mum and I sent her the pictures. And I was like, mum, do you remember I went up to them and asked for pictures with them? And now you know, we go for dinner and like, I'm telling them what to do. It's, it's just an incredibly surreal experience. And, you know, I remember my dad being like, oh, I can't believe, you know, you get to work with Aggers and you've got a picture with Aggers. And I was like, neither can I, but it's, it's just, yeah, I can't really describe it. It's surreal, but I'm just feeling incredibly lucky to, to get to do what I do because it doesn't feel like a job. And I think the amount of people who speak to me and say, I want your job. And I'm like, I know. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of people after your job, but it's all good. You've got it for now. So <laughs> yeah, for now. <laughs> uh, chat to us a bit about doing BBC Stumped and producing that, because often there are some really, really interesting and important stories that actually won't you won't necessarily hear on TNS, but will will, will be put on Stumped. So, for example, uh, recently about the Afghanistan women's cricket team and things like that. What's it like producing that? Because I, I guess it's very different from doing something live. Yeah, it, it really is. And the really good thing about Stumped is we obviously we reach such a large audience, you know, that the listenership on World Service is massive. And I think our, our weekly reach for, for Stumped is 10 million listeners. And that's not including podcast downloads, that's just going out on the network, which is staggering. And from that, you know, we have to show the stories around the world. We We do focus on England, Australia, India, because our three presenters are based... Um, you know, we have Alison Mitchell, usually based in London, Jim Maxwell, usually based in Sydney, Charu Sharma, usually based in Bangalore in India. So we have those as our three main presenters. But then we try and kind of cover the whole strap line of Stumped is cricket and the quirky world of cricket. So it's not necessarily, as you said, Polly, the stories that you would get anywhere else. But the kind of one of the difficult things with it is we record the podcast on a Thursday morning and I get it out as quickly as I can. 
but it doesn't go out on the world service in the UK until like 2.30am on a Saturday morning. So one of the main things is we try and do things that don't date, which is quite difficult when it's a Thursday morning and it's, you know, day one of the ashes and you know that this is going to go out on day three of the ashes. So it's it's trying to think of different ways to cover cricket. And, you know, for example, the Afghanistan story, for Jeff Allardyce, I had tried, I've tried for six months to get him on. You know, that was that was something that is a long running thing. And one thing with Stumped is when you work on it for a few months, you get to get ahead and you get to look at stories and you get to plan. And I think that's what makes Stumped quite different because you can plan, you can think of different ways to cover things. And also, you know, working with Ali, Jim and Charu, they always have really good suggestions. They have really good contact. You know, if if you say, oh, I you know, want to cover something on Australia cricket and I want to do this angle. So, for example, this week, we wanted to do something on Pat Cummins as a captain. And it was really hard because I, I wanted a player, but obviously Australia are playing India, which is just ridiculous. And we won't even talk about scheduling because it's annoying. But selfishly for me, I was like, well, you've ruined my podcast, haven't you? I can't have a, I can't have a player. But it was then trying to think of a different way to do it. And I contacted them and they sent me the number for Trent Copeland who played with Pat Cummins and I messaged him and he came on and I think the thing with Stumped is you can use all the contacts you can use the 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 presenters because they've got such a wealth of knowledge and you know they've they've traveled around the world and they've 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 just got such great stories and great ideas and I think the thing for Stumped is feeding off that but we also cover men's and women's cricket and I think the one thing that I'm really proud of and I really try and do is trying to cover as much women's cricket as possible. And I think Stumped is a really good place to do that. It is. And it's interesting, I guess, with Stumped and with TMS, um, they they are both very, very good on the women's game, aren't they? Yeah. So, you know, TMS is, is TMS, whether it's covering a men's game or a women's game. And uh, I, I think, for example, you know, the interview with uh, Jeff Allardyce that, that he did... I mean, I don't know if he's going to be knocking on your door to come back and do another interview soon. Yeah, I'll be honest. I said, I think I think we may have burned that bridge. <laughs> but, you know, um, the questions were asked and questions were answered. So we did what we had to do. So, uh, yeah, I I think, you know, that with our job is, you know, we're, we're journalists and you have to ask difficult questions and... And I do always say this to whoever I get on, we ask the question, you don't have to answer the question, but we have to ask it because that is our job. And it's your job whether you choose to answer it or not. So, you know, we obviously can't, you can't make anyone answer a question. You can try your best. Yeah, I, I love the way Ali Mitchell was so persistent <laughs> in asking the same question over and over and over again. I, I just thought it was, it was absolutely brilliant. I, and and it kind of, ex, you know, without him really saying anything it just sort of exposed something about the story and about what's going on so I thought that was absolutely brilliant I think the thing the thing with Stumped is we you know we get people as I said from around the world but we speak to cricketers we speak to you know governing bodies we speak to rising stars you can, you can speak to local cricket clubs from you know from all around the world and it's not just you know I said we do focus on England Australia and India but you know this year we've spoken to people from Canada from Uganda from Rwanda and there's such a, a large breadth and it's just trying to get a range of stories and a range of guests and a range of ideas. And I guess that is obviously the job as the producer is to try each week to think of something a little bit different. And hopefully we we do that. 
And we've spoken a bit about your time producing, but we really want to chat about your presenting as well, because last summer uh, you got your own cricket show with BBC Radio York and Humberside. Tell us about that, because it was fantastic hearing. I think local radio is something I love, and it is great when you have those local stories, particularly when it's tailored to cricket. It was something that came about really organically, because I have never, ever wanted to present, never wanted to be on air. I'm very, very happy as a producer, but the editor of Radio York and Radio Humberside, I used to work with when I worked at Radio Leeds. So he gave me a call randomly in, I don't know, January, February, um, earlier this year, and just said, are you still working on cricket? And I said, yeah. So I thought you were. We were thinking of launching a cricket show on York and Humberside and, you know, wondering if you'd be interested. And I was like, oh, you're to produce it. And he said, no, to present. And I'll be honest I said no at first I was like no this is this is absolutely not for me and then I thought about it and then thought oh you know what let's let's try it and I thought I would probably have a lot I thought I'd practice a bit more than I did when I went on air and that first live show I I can't explain to you the the absolute dread and the fear and I was sat in the studio and the mic goes up and it says at the top mic live and it's red I, I thought, I don't know what to say. You know, I'd, I'd written, you know, the scripts were there. My mouth went dry. It's, it's all those things that people talk about. And obviously as a producer, I'm there always saying to people, just speak, do this. You know, you talk for five minutes and I'll deal with this. And suddenly it was me having to talk for five minutes. And I realised it's a lot harder than I thought it was. But yeah, that's how it came about. And it, it's, it's, it's such a privilege to do because like you say, local radio is so important. And that's where I started. And to get to talk about cricket with local, you know, local clubs, local cricketers, you know, we do it from everything from grassroots cricket, local cricket clubs, all the way up to speaking to people from Yorkshire and then England and and men's and women's and disability cricket. And I really feel like it, it was something that was, you know, really special to be a part of. And, you know, I was really lucky to do it. And um, yeah, the next year getting to do it again would be amazing. But I'm really glad you enjoyed it and you listened. <laughs> we, well, we did, yeah. And it's it's great, actually, because I guess, you know, back in the day, you could only listen to local radio if you lived in that place, where, whereas now you can be heard across the world if, if you want to. But, All right, just make it, me a bit more scared than I am, Richard. Thanks. <laughs> but it retains that it's really local, isn't it? You know, so you are proper Yorkshire. And yeah. all the all the, all the people, if you don't mind me saying, no. and, and all... <laughs> all the people coming on it and it's almost like you can talk about oh you know like this shop or on the corner or if you turn right down there you, you almost it, it's so geographically fixed isn't it what you're talking about and the shared experience it's I just think it's absolutely amazing and to have cricket being broadcast to to that locality and and reaching out into those communities is just fantastic. Yeah and I think that's that's the joy of local radio whether it's cricket or sport or whether it's news you know you're you're the people that on a morning people will tune in and listen to. It and it's, you know, I remember as a kid, we'd, we'd tune into it when it was snowing because you'd listen to see if your school was closed. And obviously now, you know, you can go on social media and find it out. But that's how that's what people used to do. And even now, you know, people say, oh, I, I heard this because I heard it on Radio York or I heard it on Radio Humberside. And, you know, we had we had loads of people on from different cricket clubs and they at the end you know would say thank you so much for for inviting me on or you know letting me come on and I'd be like no thank you for coming on and having a chat with me but I think 
we we forget how you know if if you're going to be on local radio or any radio station you tell everyone about it you tell the whole world you tell you tell your neighbors and they obviously it was their moment for them and you know just getting to speak to people about what they did at the weekend and you know the the cricket match if they won or they lost and you know if, if someone hit a century or you know a, a big moment for them and then for them being on the radio and for us to be part of that it, it's just it was really special and like you say it's local it's local radio stations are just so important so tell us a, a little bit about the the highlights of of your career so far in uh it, in journalism in producing and so on um so I think probably the main one was uh, this year in March, I went to Mumbai for the Women's Premier League. So I've I've really wanted to go, you know, overseas on a cricket tour. That's that's what I would love to do. I My dream is to go on an overseas Ashes tour. That's, that's what I would absolutely love to do and to work on it. But I yeah, got sent for World Service and for the Stump podcast. And I went and we recorded a special episode of Stump and then we put together, I say we, I, I put together a panel um, of people to talk about women's cricket in, in in India. And one, just to be in Mumbai, what a place. I'm not going to lie, I was I was terrified. One, because I flew on my own and I've never done that before. And two, to go to a completely different country, a completely different culture. You know, there was lots of people saying lots of things you know it, it was good because everyone was like be careful of this and be careful of that and I think that made me quite anxious but being there and being in Mumbai was just such an unbelievable place to be and then not just that but then being at cricket matches and watching you know India fans supporting women's cricket and supporting the you know the women's teams was just such a, a strange thing because you know you, you hear it and you watch it on the tv and you're like oh it sounds amazing but to be there it is it's physical goosebumps and I was lucky enough that I was there when Izzy Wong got a hat trick and I've never seen a hat trick live so to see that and to be there was I was like turning around to the presenter next to me Lee and I was like is this real I cannot believe we have just witnessed this and to hear the roar and the passion of India cricket fans is amazing so that's probably my main highlight, I would say. And then, you know, last year I worked on the Commonwealth Games as the producer. And again, just what a stage and what a place. And, you know, being in Birmingham and it wasn't just going to the cricket. We then, you know, when we had a few days off, went to watch the gymnastics and it really felt like an event. And, you know, I worked really closely with Eleanor Aldroyd, who I absolutely love. You know, she's, she's I say she's my work mum. She, she looks after me a lot. Um, you know, we've had we've had a lot of really good times together, um, both in the commentary box and outside of the commentary box. And, you know, she was there at the Commonwealth Games and it was her and it was Melissa Story, who I know you've had on the podcast, who I love dearly. And Alex Hartley, George Elwis, Jeff Lemon. And we just had such a really nice team. And then like Aggers came in at points and it just as a team, it it just felt really important and special. And we all got along so well. And that's probably another career highlight, apart from obviously England not winning and not doing great in that bronze medal match. But we can just skate over that. We love the Commonwealth Games. It was just because we're in Birmingham, of course. In fact, I think Polly joined you for a, for a bit of a night out during the Commonwealth Games. At, yeah, I think, yeah, I think at, you did. <laughs> at one point at, at Sixes Bar. 
is what I, is what I hear. But I didn't hear anything more after that. I think no, you know. we were we were very well behaved. We were just drinking lemonade and um, just hitting, just playing cricket. Yeah, it, what it goes on tour stays on tour. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, it it was really special. I, I think the Commonwealth Games, and um, you know, I I know there are, there are issues around that, the, you know, the future of of that tournament. Um, but but we loved having it in Birmingham, and I and I think it was really good for women's cricket to be to be part of it as well. And it just it just felt really special, apart from as you say the the end result for England, which was quite disappointing. Yeah, and I think also you know on that obviously the fact now that the that cricket's going to be at the Olympic Games, you know we know it's T Twenty cricket. We're not quite sure how many teams and and you know how that will all work, but. To see, you know, men's and women's cricket will, at an Olympics will be amazing. But to see women's cricket at the Commonwealth Games, and I was at the opening ceremony. I was me and me and Hartley were sat there, and you know, the you know when you watch on TV an opening ceremony and they go around with all the athletes, and you get to a point where you're like, I'm bored, like it's boring now. But actually being there and watching it was, I was like, this is amazing. Keep going, just the atmosphere and the way Birmingham did it. I mean, Birmingham did themselves proud. It was. I'm a big fan of Birmingham, big fan of Edge Boston. So yeah, really, really enjoyed it there. It was amazing. I think you're the first person who's a massive fan of Birmingham, maybe other than Izzy Wong that's come on the podcast. <laughs> to be fair, since leaving, I, you know, I'm actually excited to go back. I think it'll be quite nice. I mean, we still, we've still got the bowl, so that will welcome me back at New Street. It's giant and rather inconvenient, but you know, it looks nice. Reminds of uh, reminds us of the Commonwealth Games. Um, on the kind of the flip side of all that good stuff, what are some of the challenges of particularly the industry, but then also specifically your role? You know, people always talk about, you know, dis- discrimination in in sport for women. And, you know, I think I've I've been incredibly lucky and I've never really faced that much discrimination in terms of, you know, my gender. Um, I've had a few where, you know, I was at I was at Wembley um, producing a f- football match. I think it was a it might have been the effort on oh, it was the Carabao Cup final. This was a, maybe four, three, four years ago. And I remember having, I was in the press box and I was probably one of, I'd say maybe four females. And I just heard someone really loud shout, oi. And I was like, what? And I turned around and just this security guard was like, you, you're not allowed in here. And I was like, what? And he said, it's only allowed for press. And I had my press, you know, pass on and I showed him it. And, you know, he was like, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I didn't see it. But I don't think it was necessarily he didn't see that. He saw a woman and assumed that she shouldn't be in the press box. And that obviously threw me. But, you know, there was I've never had, I wouldn't say direct discrimination because of my gender, but it is definitely something that you notice. And in cricket, I think, you know, you do look around the the written press box and I think there are quite, there are quite a few women now, which is great. I think we need more. I think if you look on air at the number of, you know, people on the radio and on the TV, it looks really good. You've got a lot of women. But if you look at the producers, we don't have, I'm the only female producer. And, and you know, whether that, that is, you know, whether it's just because women, as I've said, as I said earlier on, I think being a producer is really important, especially for women. And maybe women don't think that being a producer is glamorous. They think, oh, you know, I want to be on air. And I've said that and people go, but you're on air. And I go, yeah, but I didn't, that's not what I chose to do. And if I could choose anything, I'd choose producing every single day of the week. I'd do, that's not, being on air is not what I want. I will do it, but it's not my end goal. 
And I think we need to try and get more women in producer roles and being those people making those decisions. And I've seen it at other, it's not just BBC, you know, all across. When you look at the media and you look at, you know, camera operators and people behind the scenes, they're all, it's all men, you know, it's all men. There isn't any women. And that to me is what I probably find the hardest. And it's not necessarily related to, I wouldn't say it was discrimination. I don't think it's anything to do with the fact that you're a woman, so you can't do this job. That is absolutely not what it is. I think it's to do with the lack of women coming through and wanting to do those off-air roles. And my one thing that I really just want to get across, and I, I do bang on about it all the time, is just trying to get more people in a role that I'm in, because I think it's so important. And I would just really love more people to to do that so I'd say that's probably the hard bit everything else is pretty good you know I'm, I'm not gonna lie I'm just very lucky to get to do the job I do the pay is not that great but apart from that it's fine <laughs> asking for a friend by the way if if you're going to give advice to let's say a, a a young person yeah at university studying journalism in their first year about yeah how to proceed in the industry what would it be it's be persistent because you know you're not it, it took me a long time you know I I was I was lucky that I got work experience while I was at university and you know from that I then got freelance shift but it it took me you know three and a half nearly four years from freelancing pretty much every single day to then getting my permanent staff job uh, but then even with that you know I, I went through countless interviews and it's just being persistent and basically not just not taking no for an answer. And it's not to the point that, you know, you're, you're annoying people or anything like that. But sometimes it's just, you know, sending an email. And if you don't hear from someone, it's just sending an email a couple of weeks later. And I always say to people, well, I actually, I'll let you in on a little secret here, Richard, for your friend. If someone ever emails me about work experience, about advice, I don't reply to that. Because I always tell everyone to message me twice. Because if you're really interested, you'll email me again. And if you don't follow it up, then then I'm like, well, you, you're clearly not that bothered. And I don't see it as pestering. I just see it as someone who's keen. And that's what I did. You know, if I didn't email Adam Mountford many times or message him many times, he I then would never have got in. I mean, it did help that working with Alison Mitchell on Stumped, she obviously put in a good word. So I do think it's been persistent. But not blowing my own trumpet at all but it is also about you know you, you can get your foot in the door but then you have to prove that you're good at what you do and um I would say that is something that's quite important because there are people who you know come in it's the same in any industry they come in and then they think oh I'm in now so I don't have to do anything but no you have to keep going and I would say Richard hypothetically speaking the person that you're probably thinking of I think will go a very long way <laughs> we shall see Charlotte, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's uh, It's been absolutely brilliant. It's been my pleasure. It's very weird being interviewed <laughs> on a podcast where I'm thinking I haven't written the questions. I don't have to edit it. I've, I've not been the one asking the questions. Roles have been reversed. It's very strange, but I've really enjoyed it. So thank you for having me on. You're well, right. if you want to edit it, I'm sure Polly... Yeah, Polly, I was going to say, I was like, probably better than my editing. I hope, I hope mine's up to scratch this week. Well, sorry, I'm a bit busy, so next time. <laughs> Oh, no problem. I'll try and do a good job. I'm sure you will. Thank you so much. That was great. I just love Test Match Special. 
I know. Well, it was my top listen podcast. And of course, that doesn't even encompass live listening. So I think if it did, it would be a lot higher (laughs) Um, because I spent the entirety of the summer and the winter even listening to TMS. Um, So, yeah, what what a fantastic establishment. Yes. And the old Spotify unwrapped has been quite nice as well this week. Yeah. Do you say unwrapped? Is that what it's called? Spotify wrapped. Oh, yeah. That you can thing. unwrap your Spotify wrapped. Okay. It's like a yeah. Present. Yeah. Uh, it always comes around my birthday. So I'm like, yeah, it is my present to myself. Mm. Um, but we as podcasters get Spotify wrapped so we can find out who's been listening, our stats. I mean, we get weekly stats, but this encompasses a lot more and also tells you how many people you'd like, you, your podcast was in their top five which is really cool. So we've had a couple of tweets where people have tagged us, um, but then I can't even remember the number. It's on Twitter somewhere, but... So that it moment, was over 100 It was over 100. I can get who, the stats in the, And we're in the top five. Right? Yeah, and then there was also top 10. No, it was top one, top five, and okay, top yeah. 10. Okay, yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, in fact, it is... So we're the top podcast for 141 people. I mean, you are is, you are amazing. I don't know who you are. You are but... saddos. Yeah. <laughs> you should get alive. <laughs> um, top five for 343 and top 10 for 455. I mean, absolutely so... amazing. And and our listener, listenership has grown by uh, 63% over the mm-hmm. course of this year. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I can't believe that people listen to us. I still I know. Don't this is what it. I said when it came out. I was like, I kind of forget that people listen. Until then someone mentions it in person. I'm like, you listen to podcasts? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but no, it is, it's very cool. It is. Yes. Anyway, Polly, have you got another guest lined up for us? We have got another guest, which will be out next week. Mm. I have no idea who it is. But we do have people booked. I just don't know which order it's going to be in. Oh, how so exciting. We shall see. And in fact, we might even be in person when we record it. That would be quite nice. So could be this weekend. I'm quite enjoying this in-person thing. Yeah, I know. We should do it more often. Mm. Maybe I have to wait till Christmas, but you know. I'll have to so. move to Manchester. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> don't come follow me around. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if anyway, people want to follow us and like us and all that sort of thing, what do they have to you do? can follow us on Instagram and TikTok, which is Naughty Child Podcast, and Twitter, which is Aero Child Podcast, and we will be back next week. Mm-hmm.